podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Night fans, so sorry you missed the live show, but this replay is brought to you by Gordon and Partners. Gordon and Partners are dedicated to the pursuit of justice for those who've been wrongfully injured at no fault of their own. It's important that you get legal advice directly from somebody you trust, which in our case is Michael Hoffman, a UCF alum. Contact Michael directly at 407-913-5350 or visit the website fortheinjured.com. Don't just trust anybody. Trust a fellow knight. Trust Gordon and Partners for the injured. Hello, Night Nation. Trey Strelko here. Welcome into the Sons of UCF Live. Let us bring in Adam and the newest member of the Sons team, Mike. <laughs> Hi, Mike. What's up, guys? Long time no see. I forgot what you guys look like. It was better off. Like. Yeah, the band is back together, friends. We missed you, Mike. Thanks. How you been, Mike? I'm good. Everything's good. You know, same as always. Ready for a new uh, episode here. You know, I just logged into the chat here on the uh, YouTube. I noticed we can add moderators. That could be interesting. You want to appoint a couple of moderators to the chat from the future? What is the power of the moderator? I don't know. Hmm. <laughs> Adam, what, what do you want to give that control? I'm in. Up? Yeah, look, I'll roll the dice. I will roll the dice. I don't know what that means either. Yeah, I'll roll the dice, though. <laughs> I feel like some form of Mario, some form of Brian W. Peterson, uh, Devin, maybe. I think we got some, some candidates here. Robert. Robert, yeah. I, I think you a lot should of poker find out games, what, this, uh, what this power gives you before uh, you grant it. It's hmm. a good call. Ponder that. Of course, we're joining you earlier this week, an hour earlier, uh, ahead of men's basketball at uh, at uh, Memphis at 8 o'clock. So uh, we, uh, yeah, I know, going to be a tough one Eesh. at Memphis. We're going to talk a little bit about it uh, just ahead with our guy, Leo Rodriguez. But let's talk a little football off the top. Uh, spring practice schedule dropped on social media. Several of the coaches uh, making what we had heard official March 20th, the start of spring practice. So, you know, about a month or so away. We knew about the spring game on Friday night, April 14th. I thought it was interesting. A couple of practices scheduled after the spring game on the uh, 17th and the 19th. We're a month out now. Things are getting closer. Trace, I cannot wait to uh, break down five-second video film of somebody throwing a shovel pass and uh, watching uh, big men hit a, a a bag and roll on the ground and chase a donut tire. I can't wait. That's the best part of the year. When you're out there with those videos, Trace, nothing makes me happier than that. And the field goals, hopefully going through the uprights this time and not hitting cars all over the parking lot. Um, I, I kind of like the two extra practices after the spring game. Kind of gives them time to correct some things and get back out on there, maybe – a couple more days of film. I don't see how that could hurt. Yeah, I agree with you. Uh, I mean, considering the spring game is just a glorified practice, uh, I like that, that they don't end there, uh, that they have a couple more after that, as you said, to correct things. And uh, that is one of uh, one of my favorite pieces of video from last year was the errant field goal attempt, kicker unknown, plunking a car. Of I think course, we know. One that parks, <laughs> well, we I think we kind of know. <laughs> we, we might yeah. have a guess. Um, but uh, you really shouldn't park over there, no matter who's kicking for the Knights. It's not a, 
it's not a good zone. Of course, uh, some other dates uh, that interesting uh, now, official Big 12 media days, uh, July 12th and 13th. Jerry's World in Dallas, all 14 teams present for this in what will now be Oklahoma and Texas's final year in the Big 12. Uh, this ain't your AAC Zoom call anymore. Yeah, it should be fun, Trace. I mean, it's going to be great to get everyone in the same room, ask a bunch of questions. I know it hasn't been in, in, in person in a long while here for the night, so it should be a fun event. Jerry's World, you may always get a couple nuggets of, uh, of of secrets out there. And who knows, Trace, maybe we'll have a Suns UCF presence out there at, in Jerry's World. You never know. You never know where, where we'll pop up. Mike, you're going? I could be talked into going to Dallas. I mean, that seems like a fun time. I, actually, I've been to Dallas. It's pretty fun. So, yeah, I could do that. But okay. uh, probably won't be doing it in July. Maybe if there was a football game or something. Do you think these Big 12 coaches will be game to say, thanks for watching the Sons of UCF? <laughs> we get them on tape. I mean, Mike Gundy seems like a fun guy, no? <laughs> Why not? Seems like a nice guy. <laughs> Uh, what, what are you most expecting uh, out of that? Uh, that's that's a, a big show now for UCF. Of course, I, I make reference to the AAC doing its last media days via Zoom when the uh, conference was based up in Rhode Island, always the big clam bake. Of course, now the AAC is in, in Texas. And, and, you know, so it's been virtual. This this is the big leagues. Yeah, I mean, obviously, I think we'll see how the other uh, other schools, other programs feel about the additional schools. And, and we'll see where the Big 12 is in July, Trace. I think that may be the more interesting piece is with all the realignment talk and the Pac-10 or Pac-12, whatever the number is now, potentially in, in media rights issues. Will the, will the Big 12 be what it is right now in, uh, in February, in July? Will we have more schools added in? So um, I think it'll be great, good to see UCF kind of intermix with that. And I, I guess that'll make it feel real, right? When, you know, Gus Malzahn's taking the stage, followed by, you know, uh, you know whoever, uh, whatever other coach afterwards, right? I think that'll make it feel more real. But will the Big 12 be as it is right now in July? I think that's a bigger question. Will we be sending players to these things like we used to? And who gets to go? And does Dylan Gabriel go for Oklahoma? Will there be some trash talking, some stare downs, you know, a little reunion there? Well, if you're the roving Sons of UCF correspondent, what would you, you get one question with Dylan Gabriel, what would you ask him? How many socks he sell this year? Mm. Mm-hmm. And what kind of answer do you think you're going to get on that one? More or less than touchdowns. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you mentioned Gus Malzahn. Two-year anniversary with UCF Ooh. this week. Does it uh, does it seem like that? In some ways, it feels longer to me. Yeah, it does feel longer. I mean, that wasn't that was a crazy off season when you think back to it. I mean, we had all the changes with uh, athletic directors and then coaches. It was a crazy off season, but it does feel like longer than two years. But how do you grade Gus Malzahn, Trace, Mike? What are you what's your grade at two years into the Malzahn era? I know you got to factor in a few different things to get a total grade overall, but Mike, what do you what's your grade on uh, on Gus Malzahn's two year tenure so far? I give him a B. I, I yeah, it could be better, could be worse. The, the recruiting has taken a step up in the last couple of seasons. The first year dealt with some horrible injuries I and mean, losing Dylan Gabriel early on, had to play with the freshman quarterback, ended up beating Florida in the bowl game. Good season. Not great, but good. This year was lining up to be a very good year. We were, had a chance to go to a new year six and then kind of blew it there at the end. Again, injuries in the championship game. We got to a championship game, which is what we were asking for. So a decent year, a kind of clunker at the end in the bowl game. Overall B. Yeah, you want to say B minus, somewhere in that range. 
Yeah, I saw Dolly's comment of B minus. That's where I'm going. And C doesn't seem fair uh, with uh, you know back to back nine win seasons and uh, beating Florida in the Gasparilla Bowl. But it's this season which we still taste, of course, dropping that home game to Navy. You know the opportunity to possibly host College Game Day, host an American Athletic Conference championship game. Of course, maybe go on to to the Cotton Bowl. All those things were the the what ifs. Uh, how about you, Adam? Where are you at? Yeah, I think the two biggest knocks on Gus are some head-scratching losses, games that we should not have lost, games we should have been in that, that we couldn't pull out. You mentioned Navy. You mentioned ECU. I think Louisville was another game that we were right there. We could have won that game and didn't figure that out. So I think that's one knock. And second, handling of the quarterbacks. I mean, I think that's been an ongoing issue now for two seasons. Obviously, Gabriel getting hurt forced his hand a little bit, but you know, see Joey Gatewood if you need more information on how he handled the quarterbacks in year one. Year two, we have more issues. Right now, year three, I don't think we have any more clarity. So if you if you win a couple more of those games and you handle the quarterbacks better, I think maybe you're in that B-plus A range. Um, but I think this is a big year for Gus. He's now got his class again from recruiting. This is this will be a second full class. It's supposed to be the best class UCF's ever had. So I think he could easily vault his way up. But some of those head-scratching losses and quarterback problems, I think, are what really drags his grade down. Of course, just a month away from the start of spring camp. That'll be interesting. It was good to hear you guys back, by the way, in the pod. Mike, you had some scheduling conflicts, so you guys were away. But you came back uh, with a great guest in uh, uh, former UCF player Mike Grudadoria, the uh, Super Bowl champion. Yeah, I mean, he, uh, he he's a name I think that some people probably know from the trivia question. Um, but I don't know how much, you know, we knew about his story. I think it was great to catch up with him and kind of hear about, you know, his time at UCF and, and what he went on to. And, um, you know, we've got a clip, Trace. I don't know if you want to go to that clip now. Yeah, let's hear or we, oh, OK, yeah, we're doing it. that. All right. So let's uh, let's pull up Mike Rudatoria here. Let me get to my screen here. Here's uh, here's Mike. I said, well, that's great. As long as I get to touch the ball every now and then thinking I intercept interceptions or cause fumbles. Oh, You'll be touching a lot more than you think, son. <laughs> and he moved me to center. And, uh, it, it, it's a funny it, – I, I cherish that because I don't think I'd be sitting here today if Gene McDowell and Mike Kruzak didn't see a center in a guy. And how can they be wrong when a guy like me with no football background didn't play an, an, a single organized sport till my senior year in high school – and they said, that kid's a center, and I'm, I'm able to make a living at it and live a great lifestyle now and raise my family because of what Gene McDowell and Mike uh, Kruzek saw. That's a real dude right there. It's a real dude. He's not good at Miss Pac-Man, though. I think he's got to get that uh, step that game up a little bit. But, yeah, I mean, look, he, he talks lovingly about his time at UCF, and and uh, I got a text from somebody who listened to the show and just said, man, you can tell that guy Mike Rudadoria, like, loves UCF, like, eats, sleeps, breathes UCF. He's trying to get his son into UCF. It's always good to catch up with some of the, you know, some of the older players and, and the, the names maybe you don't know about. Um, so it was, it was cool to catch up with Mike G. I know uh, he some colorful moments in that interview, but uh, he was he was a good he was a good dude overall. Yeah, I love that interview. That jumps up to one of the top ones we've ever done, in my opinion, just his personality and, and the stories he had. Uh, it was top notch. And that Super Bowl was a classic. I remember watching that in college. He played a big part in it. That was a fun one on, th on Monday night. Yeah, he was really an enjoyable interview. A little colorful language there. Uh, kept you on your toes, I, I thought. And, uh, I liked his stories. Uh, the video game story is pretty good. Yeah, for those who haven't heard it yet, he's got a uh, an arcade machine. You saw it in the picture there. And uh, apparently his wife dominates Miss Pac-Man. He can't even get on the board. Uh, there's a, there's 10 spots there. He can't get his initials anywhere on there. And his brother, I think, has uh, got the uh, the other side of the, the game, I think it was Galagia, um, that's in there. So he's got he's to figure it out. 
Yeah, I video games. Remember, uh, what was the the golf one? Top? No, no. What was the uh, name of it? Was it Top Golf? Uh, no, that's the place you go hang out. Yeah, um, no, no. <laughs> that's, <laughs> not, a, that's not it, Mike. Somebody in the chat knows exactly what I'm talking about. It was that all the ale houses? Uh, you roll the ball. I was never any good at that, but I had some what you, friends. Hold on. That, what do you? I didn't say. What do you do? You, you roll the ball on, <laughs> gotcha, okay. on the arcade there, and uh, some of my friends were addicted to that game. Every time we went there, Golden, Golden Tea. Golden Tea. There it is, Matt. There you go. There you go. Last week, we got to know the uh, hosts of the podcast that cover the Houston Cougars. And this week, inviting in Justin Hiles and Steve Maurer, host of Viva La Cats. They cover the Cincinnati Bearcats, part of the 1012 Network. Guys, a warm welcome to the Sons of UCF. Thank you. Thank you. We're happy to be part of uh, part of 1012 now and happy to be joining you guys here. Yeah, Are you like you us that you're just you kind of counting down the days here. We were just talking about Big 12 media days coming up in July. I'm starting to see the AAC in the rearview mirror. Yeah, I think we've been seeing it in the rearview mirror for a long time. <laughs> Certainly from a basketball sense, we are ready to leave this conference. Uh, it's not going well for us. Uh, football <laughs> went a little bit well for us the past few years, but it's going to be much more exciting to have Oklahoma in your home building instead of Tulsa, Oklahoma. So we're really looking forward to it as well. Yeah, I'm happy to never see Tulsa again, but um, I'll start with you, Justin, on this one. It, if there's any concern you have about Cincinnati going to the Big 12, what is it right now? Is there something that you know you want to see them get better at, something that they really have to improve as they make their way into the Big 12? Yeah, um, personally, I think when it comes to, at least on the football side of things, it's, it's going to be a lot of unknowns and ifs and question marks. Um, and that is just going to be tough when you have a new coach going into a new conference and you really don't know what to expect. I mean, you, you can kind of see that things are similar between how Louisville was built to what we should expect for Cincinnati and the defensive prowess, but there's a lot of question marks and we have a pretty loaded QB room. We don't know what to expect there. Who's going to start could be any number of four guys. So it's those kind of things in that realm, I think are tough. And then when it comes to basketball, um, yeah, losing to AAC teams in the way that we have been is not going to cut it. Um, and we look to probably be returning some of that talent, um, bringing some new talent in, but how's it going to gel and how are those guys going to be able to perform night in, night out? And are we going to have consistency? Because right now it's very missing. And for the big 12, if everybody's <laughs> everybody's above 50 in net, it's really scary. <laughs> We're not ready for that. We're not ready for that at all. Yep, uh, definitely. Just from the uh, sports standpoint of football, uh, if Luke Fickle was still the head coach of the Bearcats, I'd feel like 50 times more confident about our chances to be successful and possibly even like have a shot to be in the conference championship game year one or year two. But uh, with Scott Satterfield, it's just going to be a little bit of a build up to that. And I think, honestly, it's probably a good thing that we have a new coach in year one because it really lowers the expectations to a level <laughs> that people can be more reasonable and not just be like, okay, it's Cincinnati. We're going to roll in. It's no problem. And I do think that was a problem with some of our fan base last year was that there was so such high expectations on the team, even though of the roster turnover and uh, some of the different coaches that it turned over over the past year, it had just changed so much, but we still, uh, a lot of the fan base still expected, okay, we can go, 11 and 1, 12 and 0, and get back to where we were. And it's just not as easy. And then with a new coach, it's definitely going to be a, a change. So um, it, 
if I'm looking at it, I'm trying to spin zone Luke Fickle leaving UC, it probably lowers the uh, expectations a little bit for a year. And then, like Justin said on the basketball side, uh, it just needs to get better. I think a lot of our uh, non-football sports definitely need to get better to match the competition in the Big 12. Like, for example, our baseball team is you know, season starts tomorrow, and I'm, I'm looking forward to it, but we are not that we're not going to compete in the American this year. It looks like, and we, we're probably not going to compete in the Big 12 if we can't compete in the American this year. So, um, I do think there's definitely some optimism about us going up to a big league, but there's also just the thought of, okay, we really need to start stepping it up now. Like the the programs now need to all improve over the next five years if we're going to compete, trying to compete in every sport. The rivalry between Cincinnati and UCF has heated up the last few years for sure. But you guys started playing in 1885. We're kind of new to this. You've had a 110-year head start on us, and yet we're walking in the door at the same exact time. How does that make you guys feel? <laughs> I think it's fine. We're, we're accepting it. I mean, I, I, we, always, we always jaw back and forth, and there's you know, a lot of animosity. And I think underneath it all, you know, we're, we understand that our programs are walking into these, a very similar circumstance here. And expectations-wise, you want to compete, but you don't really know exactly where you're going to fall in line. Cause it's always that what if, and you know, it's like you, you talk about even basketball is like, all right, the big 12 is always ranked very high and clearly there's talent and competition to show for it. But how much of a jump is that going to be? And that's that gray area without playing those teams constantly that we're not going to know. And so, I think, you know, going in, like I said, with UCF, it's, I think it's fun. And it, I'm, I'm really glad too, because out of all the teams that we've probably had the most interaction with that we've had the most like heat behind, it's been UCF. And that's, that's true. Like, you know, some people I think like to try to downplay the rivalry on both sides a little bit. I think even UCF from our perspective probably digs into it a little bit more than we even do, but that right now is our biggest rival. We would love to say that West Virginia you know, is our biggest rival. It's still UCF at the bottom of it. Like that's how it is. And Justin, I think it's really cool that we're going together. You can't come on their show and downplay the rivalry. Like, come on now. We got to play it up a little bit. Like we don't like you. You don't No, I'm just kidding. Like it's a great rivalry and I've really appreciated it. I will say that we were in the big East for a little bit of time and then we got downgraded and now we're going back up to the power conference level. So we had about, eight years of experience on you. So uh, I'm just kidding, but, um, that makes we're, it we're really, more, though. yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Uh, we, I mean, I thought it was a downgrade. I don't know, but, uh, it's been fun just to see just a lot of, uh, names that we've seen just over the years on Twitter, just, and it's become more familiar. Like we know some of the UCF fans that are going to come on our mentions whenever we say anything. And I think that does help build the rivalry. I got lucky enough to go to the uh, college game day on UCF's campus and to that game that night. And there was a lot of Cincinnati people there, but obviously that was a really big UCF day and just, you know, a celebration of what the program had built up to, but it was pretty cool. And I think we had still were kind of liking each other a little bit, but then when 2019 happened and we were able to uh, beat UCF at Nippert, I think that was really what started the, the mutual animosity toward each. And then it got kicked back up again this year when UCF beat Cincinnati in Orlando. So uh, I do think it's a, it's a rivalry. Um, whether people like to say it is or not, I do think it is. And 
I'm really looking forward to more matchups going forward. Earlier, you mentioned Luke Fickle. Is there a point in time where you believed that, especially with the move to the Big 12, that he would be the coach that took you into the Big 12? Absolutely. I mean, I, I think all of us looked at it very plainly. And I would say, like, we we always had this background thought that it's like, okay, he could be lured away. But all of us, our mentality was Ohio State is the only team that could possibly do it. Because Notre Dame, which clearly after some hindsight 2020 sort of conversation there, seems like maybe there was a little bit of jealousy or some amount of, I wish that was me when Freeman got hired and fickle was definitely probably the best coach available at the time. But with the college football playoff run, I think it kind of threw some, you know, rocks in the tracks there and made it a little bit more difficult for him to say, now's a good time to transition out. And so moving forward to the big 12, it seemed like it made sense. You're getting, you're getting even better recruiting. You're going to have even better competition. And then again, with the conversation of the expansion of the playoff too, you have an even easier way in than you would have had before where that glass ceiling was always sitting there and you broke through it. So for, for, for us, it just seemed really odd that Luke fickle would choose to go to Wisconsin, choose to play in a similarly matched up, conference when it comes to level of difficulty what you're going to have to build but he chose the clean reset and personally i think it's just risk adverse because the big 12 like steve said earlier you go in you're expecting to main you're expecting to drop back a little bit but still keep that super high level competition and compete right away and i don't know if you know personally i think that was just his way of saying all right i get a clean slate and this is my way to get back into the Big Ten and maybe be ready for that Ohio State job when it opens up. Steve, how has um, how has Cincinnati and the and the program and the fans and the alumni how have they embraced NIL? Where do you think Cincinnati is in terms of NIL right now? And are, are they ready to compete with you know other schools in the Big Twelve who have all these collectives and all this money like flowing out of trash cans? Uh, it's not, it's not flowing out of trash cans just yet, but it is growing. Uh, we have our, uh, Cincy Reigns, uh, NIL program, and, um, we've started uh, a joke among like, uh, our, our discords and other jokes that we have a Cincy Reigns swear jar, where if you swear that, uh, that dollar goes, should go to Cincy Reigns. Uh, so, uh, we're looking to keep that going for our podcast, for just our in, inside Twitter groups, but, it is kind of an interesting question to talk about just for the future and how we're going to be able to recruit uh, students to Cincinnati. And I do think having Scott Satterfield and Wes Miller, two coaches that, are, that are, have embraced NIL and are really looking towards the future with the NIL space, I think that's great for Cincinnati. Luke Fickle, he, while he was a great recruiter and a great football coach, he – there was a criticism of him that he did not jump on NIL fast enough. And internally he was upset by the amount of recruits that were choosing NIL money over possibly a better program situation when they were comparing their options. And he was not a fan of that, but Scott Satterfield is definitely understanding and he's going to be able to pitch that to recruits in the future as well as Wes Miller. And I do think it's, it can only get better. Uh, We, we still have, Miles and miles to go, but it's at least at, at a point where it's not completely broken or there's no infrastructure there. There is something there that can be built on, and that goes to the work of uh, the people running the Cincy Reigns group 
as well as some of the the coaching uh, staff within the programs that have incentivized and want to push NIL objectives. You, you mentioned Scott Satterfield. Can either of you tell me, is he going to be wearing that stupid cutoff with team on the back as well? Or did that, did that go out with fickle? <laughs> oh, that's no. going with fickle. And I can pretty much guarantee that that will continue for fickle as well. I don't Every, think that's, yeah, that was, that's that was the best tweet I saw on that day. I was like, okay, now we don't have to pretend that team was a cool moniker. anymore. <laughs> Everyone can agree that that was kind of dumb. So, uh, but he is wearing his uh, Scott Satterfield will be wearing a visor and it's caused a lot of debate on whether visors are fun or cool or not. And I'm, I'm a visor guy myself, so I'm definitely going to be uh, rocking a visor with him, but that's going to be a debate. You'll see um, maybe not that much, but there, there will be a debate about whether visors are cool or not. You guys have had some pretty good success the last few years. I'm not even going to try to hide that fact, but does it, how much does it bother you that your best seasons ever all ended in losses? Every time you get to a new year's six or you get the playoff, it's a loss. You got to sit on that the whole off season. Doesn't that stink? That was definitely coming when you were walking in here, Steve, wasn't it? <laughs> um, uh, you know, it's, it's one of those things where like you learned, you learn to live with that. I, I, I think you can accept that when you make the college football playoff and you're playing at that super high level and you're doing something that no G5 team has ever done before. And you're actually able to say that, unlike pretty much any other team, it feels really good to get there. Sure. You might not have been able to make that extra jump pass there and sure, you know, it, you have to stew on that. But at the same time, I don't think one loss at the end of a 13 and 0 season really just, you know, makes people angry. I think everybody's just happy to be there. And should you be satisfied with that? No, definitely not. Should you want more? Absolutely. But is that a point where you can say that's something to hang our hat on? Yes. And I, I think the way that we have played continually and gotten better at the end of every single year, I think has really shown how much work has been put into this program and where it's headed. I think it is just going to be tough now because now with the big 12, you know, we could be talking, all right, you know, when are we going to compete for a conference championship and, or, is bowl eligibility the conversation now? <laughs> we don't know. Nobody knows. I mean, I think UCF is in a very similar boat too. We we don't know what to expect, but we'll see what happens. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to lie. It does stink. Um, I was in a dark place after the, uh, I think the Peach Bowl almost hurt more than the Cotton Bowl because- I 100% Peach, agree. Peach Bowl, we were right there and then you just give it up at the end. And I, that was a criticism of, of Coach Fickle, actually. Like, there was not much to criticize, obviously, but- other than the Notre Dame win in 2021, he didn't really have a great record in big games. Uh, I mean, you know, the, you guys saw him in that UCF uh, game day game. Uh, it, we didn't look great that game. We usually did not look great in those biggest moments. And you would like to see them look a lot better in those moments. And I think it just like gives the program something more to reach for still, even though they can, we can say, We've given, you know, we've gone to the college football playoff. Like it's, it's still something that we've never done. I had never had a major win. Uh, and I'm getting roasted in the comments for saying that we lost <laughs> in the Peach Bowl, but well-deserved, you know, I mean, Hey, we had it and we lost. We it, lost but... to the team that ended up going back to back. So I feel okay about it. Yeah, and it was well, our own fault. It, it, it was our own fault. That's true. But I, 
I, I do think that there, you know, that is still a criticism of Luke Fickle's time here. If you want to criticize anything is that those biggest games, we didn't really show up. And I, I don't know. I, I want to say that's something to look forward to is maybe one day when we finally get that win, it'll be validation, but I'm not going to lie. It stinks. <laughs> to be fair, the one time we lost a new year six game was to the team that turned out to be the, probably the greatest team ever in that LSU team. And we only played them with a backup quarterback. So. I mean, it was a close game, too. See, isn't it funny when the <laughs> SEC teams claim that they actually cared about the bowl game, you know, and then they say, oh, we we actually cared and we won. I mean, I, I know there was a lot of fans up north from Orlando for, after the 2021 season claiming that they, their best players didn't play in that bowl game, which you all won. So I, I think it's funny with, that the narrative changes with the SEC, whether they win or lose the game. See, on this, we can agree. Let's wrap up with this. Guys, tell us a little bit about your show and where folks can find you. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, again, this is a show that we do weekly. Um, Viva La Cat started long time ago, went through some changes, but now we're in a very consistent space, which, of course, is also part of the reason why we're now part of the 1012 Network. So you can find us throughout all the 1012 Network's channels, but you can also find us on Twitter at Viva La Cat's Pod. That is where we do most of our contacts and as well on Spotify, Apple Pods, or any other platform that you may listen to. It's going to be Bearcats. It's going to be Bearcat-centric all the time. I think we kind of dialed in. We used to be a little bit more broad on the Cincinnati channels as far as Reds, Bengals talk goes, FC Cincinnati. So if you're really looking for that dialed-in Bearcats conversation, you can get that from us, but it's also very laid back. And sometimes we go really deep dive into stats. Sometimes we go deep dive into really stupid stuff too. So... You're going to get a little bit of everything. Well, you have plenty to talk about with the Bearcats coming to UCF on uh, Sunday for men's basketball. And of course, we renew that rivalry in football in the Big 12 in the fall. Justin Hiles, Steve Maurer, host of Viva La Cats. Uh, thanks so much for being with us on Suns Live. And we hope to talk with you again soon. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, thanks guys. guys. All right, Mike with the hard-hitting questions. I, well, I warmly welcomed him. And then Mike... I can't let them come on our show and not talk trash to them. I mean, that, that, everybody wants Cincinnati to be our rival. This is our biggest rival. They're on here. I'm going to talk trash. Sounds about right. All right. We'll talk a little bit more about basketball about a half an hour away from tip-off. UCF men's basketball at Memphis. Of course, baseball uh, gets underway out at John Juliano Park this weekend. Games Friday at 6, Saturday at 4, Sunday at 1 against Siena. Uh, I spoke with head coach Greg Lovelady as well as new pitching coach Mike Marath this week. And when I spoke with coach Lovelady, I said, come on now, fans have been waiting since 2017 for an AAC championship and a return to the NCAA tournament. Talk about expectations in 2023. Um, you know, I feel like we're in a we're much better situation already, even at this point of the season. One, from a talent standpoint, two, we had already lost several guys for the season at this point last year. So uh, we're in a much better situation uh, that, I, that I think that we have the age and the talent the experience to really have to really have a, a great year. So I'm um, excited to see our guys go out there. And, um, you know, I think the sky's the limit for us. Well, let's pose this question to our man covering UCF baseball. will be part of the ESPN plus broadcast again this season. Steven Branca, welcome back to Suns Live. Hey, thanks for having me back. It's uh, it's nice to see your faces again. I've seen Trace a couple times, but the other two, I mean, I've missed you guys a little bit, so. Feel Thanks. the love at the start of the season. Wow. So what do you think about what Coach Lovelady said there with expectations in 2023? You like the makeup of this team contending in the AAC? 
Yeah, they should definitely contend. I mean, I think they, they just got better in certain areas that they were already good at. Uh, the depth in, uh, that they have on the mound right now, I think, is, is really good. Uh, and then they got a lot of veterans that are coming back to that lineup. Uh, a lot of guys that have experience. Um, some of them have experience at, at different places, a couple guys that have transferred in. But um, I think they got the experience and they do have the talent. I think he's right on with that. And I think, I think you're going to see some young kids that are going to show up really well for them, but some, some veterans that have some time in that, uh, that can really surprise people too. All right, Steven, you've been around baseball a long time. You played baseball, you coach baseball. Let's let's go bigger picture. How exciting is opening day? How exciting is that start of the season for for either a player or a coach? What does that what does that mean when opening day comes around? Yeah, so as a player, it's you're sick and tired of facing somebody that's in the same jersey as you because all you do is inner squad scrimmage type things and all you're doing is facing your pitchers that you're hoping are getting outs because you're usually playing defense behind them, right? And so you compete against those guys and you're trash talking them in the locker room and everything, but when you have somebody in another jersey in an, in the other dugout, I mean, it's just a different level. I mean, it's uh, it, it's it's just it amplifies everything. It's it doesn't matter who it is either. It could be you know it could be the University of Florida, it could be Siena. It doesn't matter. It's it's the first game of the season. Uh, you're it's like a new career. Every season's like a new career for you. So uh, it's a fresh start, and and so there's a lot of excitement to it. The pitching rotation set for the weekend, but as we saw last year, that can change as the season goes on. Uh, give us a sense of what the staff looks like this year and, and how you think Mike Maroth is going to make an impact on it. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm really excited for uh, the weekend rotation. Um, I've been trying to tell everybody that Rudy Gomez is one of the best pitchers in the state since he was 16 years old. Uh, fun story there. I don't know if I've talked to you guys about I recruited him to go to St. Leo and he played for me at St. Leo. I was, I was his first college coach. And, uh, you know, when I left St. Leo, he decided to, to leave and go to Hillsborough community college. And then when I ended up at UCF, uh, I had a little bit of a hand in him, uh, getting over to UCF. And I told those guys, this guy's going to be a steal. Um, and now he's your Friday night starter, uh, very special kid, great makeup on him. Great family, uh, works really hard, has been through a lot. Uh, overcome some injuries, uh, but that's just his toughness and his makeup. He's going to be a great guy to have on the mound. But Cam Leiter is one of the most exciting freshmen, I think, in the country as well. Uh, I got out there and watched him pitch the other day. I mean, he's he's every bit of the mid-90s uh, with a really good breaking ball and a good changeup. Um, he's, he's a guy that they were surprised, at least I was surprised, uh, showed up on campus. Um, a lot of teams wanted that guy in the major, major league draft and um, he just decided not to sign and, uh, it's a huge win for UCF at that point, but you got guys like Kyle Kramer and, uh, and Ben Vespi who are returning and preseason all American type guys that, uh, you know, there's, there's just a lot of experience and a lot of talent. And so, but like you said, uh, we dealt with it last year, right? It, the injuries, um, guys hitting cold streaks and some guys are better fit for the bullpen and, you just never know. It's baseball. You never know what's going to happen, but they do have the depth. They do have the arms. Um, and as for Mike Maroth, I think, I think this is, this is the right time for a guy like that to come into the season because uh, they're used to just getting guys game ready and ready to compete. And that's what pro ball guys do. And so that's his job right now, get them game ready and ready to compete. And it's that different mental mentality. Nick Adi was really great at getting those guys ready and in shape for the fall, getting their arms right. And then, getting them ready for the season. Now you had Nick Otte get them ready for the season, you know, throughout the fall. Now you got Mike Maroth there too. Uh, 
hey, it's time to compete. This is what he's been used to. So it should be fun to watch. The interesting thing with him will be, hey, how does recruiting work on the road? How does the fall look uh, developing those arms, especially young arms, kids coming in at 18 years old? So that's that's going to be the real test. But he should be just fine getting ready uh, for games and getting ready to compete because that's what he's done as a pro pitching coach as it is. I want to throw you one of the questions we have in the mailbag this week at UCF Knight underscore 115. Which pitcher and position player do you expect to have a monster year? It's a really good question. Um, there's a lot of guys that I expect to have really good, good turnouts this year. Um, it's, it's easy for me to, to just talk up Rudy Gomez. And uh, I think that's, that's just me hoping that a kid that I've had a connection to for so long now to uh, have success, but I think he will. I think he's, he's one of those guys. And, and I think Kyle Kramer, I think out of the bullpen, um, they might even use the guy as a, a two inning type closer, you know, through the eighth and ninth inning. Cause he's more of a six out type of guy. He's pretty special. Uh, and I think, I think you're going to see Nick Romano come back strong on the offensive side uh, towards ACL last year, heartbreaking uh, to see him go down. Cause he was, he was as hot as they come last year before he got hurt. And so uh, I'm really excited to see him get going, but then you also have veterans like Tom Jostin and Ben McCabe who, you know, I've been in the middle of this lineup for the past couple of years. Um, and McCabe is looking a lot more healthy than he was last year. And he had a decent year last year. So I think he can, he can really put up some of those numbers uh, as well. Steven, not too many places can say that QB one is also on the baseball team. Obviously John Rice Plumley. Can you give us a scouting report on Plumley as a baseball player? Obviously we, we know about him in the football field. What can you tell us about him as a baseball player? Yeah, I think it's pretty obvious he'll be the best athlete on the field, um, no matter who they're playing against. Uh, he's he's pretty much that on the football field too, right? And so he, uh, he's he got a great arm, obviously, in, in center field, but his range and his athletic ability out there, uh, he's a gold glove type center fielder, a lot like what we saw from Jeffrey Pena, able to chase it down and go get him. Um, he's going to be able to do that for you out in center field. I was out there actually during one of their inner squads with his first live ABs, uh, and he, he, uh, he, his swing looked really good. I was actually, uh, impressed with how good the swing looked. Uh, timing was just a little bit of an issue, which, I mean, what do you expect? He hasn't really faced a whole lot of live pitching over the last year or so. And so, um, I think the, the, the power is there. I remember I have a buddy who is actually the, the, he was the scout for the Padres in, uh, their area up in Oxford. And he said, their best player isn't even playing talking about John Rice Plumley, And so uh, he's very, very talented in all aspects of the game. Steven, I want to stay on that for a second. We talk a lot about, you know, what, what football means for John Rice Plumley. Can you put in words, how hard is it for him to walk off the gridiron, not play for a season and, and go play baseball? How, how much, how much of a challenge is that? How difficult is that for him? Oh, it's extremely difficult. That's why you've seen, uh, only two of the best athletes in the world be able to do it at the highest level in Deion Sanders and, and Bo Jackson. I mean, Brian Jordan's another one that that did it, but I think the other two did it at a, a little bit of a higher level on both fields. Um, it's very, very hard because baseball, uh, I mean, it's it, hitting a round ball with a round bat at 90 plus miles an hour is the hardest thing to do in sports. I mean, there's not a whole lot of people that could just step up and do it, you know? And so, it takes a lot of practice. It takes a lot of work. It takes a lot of skill. And, uh, and so it's hard when you're not facing live pitching and not working on your craft, um, 12 months out of the year. I mean, it's, it, it's going to set you behind because guys who are doing it in baseball are doing it 
12 months out of the year, they're, they're really working on it. It's a, it is working on your craft. It's an everyday thing. And so um, it is very hard, but it's also very impressive what he's able to do. A lot of people talking about love lady the last few years, we haven't gotten back to that regional tournament. Is it a make it or break it year for love lady? What are some of the, uh, the question marks on this team that would stop us from making it? Yeah. Um, you know, I think this is the team that has the makeup for it. I think this team is better than last year's. And I think last year's had some good pieces. Uh, obviously I think the, uh, the lineup had some holes. We weren't sure who was going to be able to fill. Um, but I think this year it's, it's about as well stacked as they can get. Um, and it's just that consistency on the mound, I think is the, the number one thing, right? If, if they stayed healthy on the mound last year and had Connor Stain and Hunter Pattison uh, throughout the entire year, uh, I think it's a totally different year that we're looking at. So I think it's the, the aspect that's going to be the downfall of, of his era will be in the training room. If, if they could stay healthy, they're going to win a lot of games. And so um, that's, that's the thing to look out for. If they, if they end up getting bit by the injury bug, which a lot of times you can't control, um, they're, they're, they're going to struggle. But they stay healthy, um, they got a really good chance. You know, 35 wins last year, in spite of all of those injuries, you have to yep. think that if they're just a bit healthier, right, 40 right. wins is reasonable. They've got the opening weekend series with Siena, then FAU on Tuesday, then they go to Clemson. So they've built themselves a hard schedule as well. And, of course, you're going to be covering a lot of these games. You'll be on this weekend, right? Yeah, Friday, Saturday, I have the games. And, you know, I saw Clemson on the schedule. And at first, you know, I, I did what I shouldn't do. I questioned love. And I was like, what? what are we doing going to Clemson second week of the year? But second week, if you look back, we did the same thing at Auburn. We did the same thing at Ole Miss. And you look back to those games, we lost one game out of those two series. And so when we went on the road to face those, those bigger schools, they find a way to win. Um, and so maybe he knows what he's doing. I, it's not something I would do, but at the same time, I mean, we went to Ole Miss and probably should have swept them, took two out of three and then went to, uh, the 2020 season went to Auburn and, and swept them one of the you know, number six team in the country. And so I don't know, maybe he knows what he's doing. He's, he's smarter than us when it comes to that, I guess, but it might not be what I'm doing, but it's worked in the past. All right, Steven, we're glad to have you back for another season talking UCF baseball with the sons of UCF and we'll see you next week. Yeah, see you next week. Thanks guys. All Thanks, right. Thank you, Stephen. Yeah. All right. You saw the, the flash there from Dolly drama, Mark Daniels reporting on the pregame, Michael Durbeck, for UCF men's basketball tonight at Memphis. So that is an interesting uh, development. We thought maybe he'd be a few more weeks out. Um, so baseball gets underway at John Juliano Park this weekend. Softball uh, off to a three and two start. They lost to 23rd ranked uh, Missouri Knights, of course, 14th ranked in uh, at least one of the polls. Knights five home runs last night, two from Sarah Willis. Jada Cody with a home run moved into fifth place on the all time UCF RBI list. Uh, Kate Felton, the AAC pitcher of the week, she took the loss. After the game, Coach Cindy Balmalone talking about this tough weekend in Clearwater, a lot of matchups against ranked teams in the Clearwater Invitational. Clearwater is a tough one, I think. Um, I do like that we've had some of the mistakes that we had right now and even in the first weekend because we made, we held off on those mistakes last year and made them all in Clearwater. Um, so I think having some of those mistakes moving forward, uh, a lot of people on the team having those that experience from last year under their belt because it is definitely a World Series atmosphere and environment. Uh, and again, there's there's no breaks. I mean, we're playing all top 25 teams every single day. 
Friday, February 17th, against Michigan at 3, Texas A&M at 7, Saturday, number 16, Duke at 10 a.m., number 9, Alabama at 2.30, and then a primetime game on one of the ESPN networks there on Sunday night, number 23, Mississippi State. So murderers row for them, but they are one of the top teams as well, uh, UCF softball ranked in the uh, the top 25. Men's basketball, again, we're about uh, just a little more than 15 minutes away from tip-off at Memphis. Men's basketball now 6-6, six and 15-9 six, and nine overall. Two straight wins. They thrashed Tulsa on Saturday at the arena against Memphis tonight. Uh, Knights uh, not fared well in Memphis. Memphis 11-1 and one at home. Uh, they're going to need a lot of Taylor Hendricks, the AC Freshman of the Week, seven times this season. Following the Tulsa game, I asked Coach Dawkins uh, his memories from UCF's win over Memphis, that 107-104 double overtime win on January 11th. I thought it was a great game. Uh, things stick in my mind. I thought, I thought Davis had 50, but he had 42. I mean, I mean it was an incredible game. Uh, I thought we put him, maybe sent him to the line too many times. We had to play our D a little bit better and be a little more disciplined defensively. I think Kendrick shot like 28, 23 free throws. Uh, that's not our defense, so we have to be better there. Going to have to be a lot better. Let's talk about it with Leo Rodriguez, our man on the scene for the Sons of UCF. Leo, welcome in. Sons of UCF Live tonight. How are you guys doing? All right, doing well. Of course, Coach Dawkins with a funny there saying he thought he scored 50, he scored 42. Kendrick Davis averaging about 21, 22 points a game, so he doubled his average. Knight's got to have an answer for him tonight. Yeah, that's going to be one of the keys to the game. Uh, you're going to have to stop Kendrick Davis from getting to the line and just being the overall explosive offensive player that he is. So if they're going to have a chance tonight, it's limiting Kendrick Davis's opportunities and slowing their, their offensive down. And it starts with defense uh, for, for the Knights tonight, for sure. Leo, against Tulsa, um, Thierno Sela came in and really provided a spark for the Knights. I'm of the mind to think, why are we not playing Sela over Lahat Shun? Why are we not playing Sela over Lahat Shun? Well, thank God that's not going to be a problem tonight with Durback, even though I think uh, Dawkins is going to be very cautious with his minutes. But – I think that Lahat is a little bit more well-rounded on the in his post game than uh, Sila is. As you can see, he's got a good perimeter shot. Sila does, um, but yeah, I think it's a massive confidence booster for Sila though, because uh, he's a he's a good shooter, uh, in my opinion. Um, uh, Tune has had some good good games with Dur out, but uh, I think that Sila uh, should earn more minutes with that performance. So. I agree. We took Theo Horton going for 30 last time we played them. It was at home. We had to make a comeback in the last couple minutes. Give us some hope. How do we win this game tonight on the road? Uh, so I gave you that one key, which is uh, stopping Davis. Uh, I think that our defense. <laughs> That's not as easy as you've made it sound. <laughs> Stop yeah. Davis. We're good. <laughs> So um, I think that's going to be one, but I think it also goes with the defense, obviously. If we play the defense that we were playing at the first half of the year, I think we are in really good shape. Uh, as you guys have seen, our offense was like really, really sluggish in the first half of the season, but it's kind of picked it up. I don't, I wouldn't say we're the greatest offense, but we have been living by the three-pointer. And if we can shoot the ball well tonight, that is going to be a huge, huge, huge thing for us because uh, it's going to carry – I think that's what's going to carry us to victory is going to be if we shoot that three well as we have all season and if we play the defense that we were in the in the first half of the season. So um, uh, do I like our chances tonight? Um, 
To be honest, not so much uh, being that it's an away game. And I'm going to keep it honest, it's an away game at Memphis. Now, if we do win, which I think it, there's a, there's still a possibility. I'm not knocking UCF's uh, chance completely. I'm just saying I personally don't believe we'll win. But I think that I think that if they do win, this is going to be a huge momentum booster. I think we can go and win out the schedule. Now it's all on the mental of the players if we win tonight. Can we win those, you know, I wouldn't say gimme games, but, you know, we got to beat USF at home. We have to beat Cincinnati at home, those games. And I think if we do win tonight, it'll give us that confidence to go into those games and take care of business. We're going dancing, baby. Oh, Leo. I hope so. I sure hope so. I think we still have a good chance, but we'll see. Uh, it's, he didn't, it's say, he didn't say which dance. It could be the NIT dance. Hey, That's hey dance. we're going dancing regardless, I think, if, uh, whatever happens. But um, as you guys might know or might not know, uh, top five seeds in the in the AAC, they get a buy. They get a, you know, a first round. Um, so I think that is a goal for, for the team is to be able to get uh, that top five seed um, to, you know, get that first first round off. So. I don't know if you noticed that comment uh, from Lonely Bumblebee. Leo's talking loco, and I like it. Leo, you're going to be a busy guy. I'm going to see you out at UCF Baseball this weekend, and somehow we're going to figure out a double dip on Sunday. Men's uh, basketball at noon right. in Cincinnati while Sienna's going on, then we're going to run over there, and you're going to do some more on-cam stuff for us that'll be on the That's UCF YouTube channel. So uh, get your rest. Watch this I will. men's basketball uh, game. I, I sense the confidence in you that UCF's going to go spring that upset on the road, and get ready. We're going to rock and roll all weekend out uh, UCF. That's right, guys. And, you know, uh, I'll be covering baseball this uh, this uh, season. So, you know, keep up with my Twitter. If you guys uh, follow me at, at Leo Sportif, you'll get some uh, uh, baseball updates there. So I think what I need, the content we need, I need like a behind the scenes of you two hanging out together, like a buddy cop <laughs> film. I need I need the Leo and Trey show. Mike and I may have to get out there and, and record. It's rather that. interesting, especially when we do our on camp stuff. Yeah, yeah. Our, our running joke is uh, when does the lull set in for the UCF offense and how long does it last? <laughs> so that's the little game we play while we're watching. So, yeah. all right, Leo, I'll let you go. 10 minutes till tip off, and I'll see you this weekend. Thank you, guys. See you guys. All right. All right. Catch Leo's work uh, on the Sons of UCF YouTube channel and, of course, previews by John Weiss on twonightsmedia.com. Around the kingdom, real quick, women's basketball, not much to talk about. They got thrashed by the cows, 73-44 Wednesday night. Lost some more on I-4 points as well. UCF still leads that 24-15. Men play the cows next Wednesday, so a chance to couple, uh, pick up a couple of points. They've got uh, ECU on the road Saturday, then they welcome in Temple, and uh, Super Bowl is over, but the XFL starts this weekend. Good luck to our Knights in the XFL, Orlando Guardians with Ter Terrence Plummer. I talked to him at uh, Media Availability. You can find that on the Sons of UCF YouTube channel. And then uh, we've got Riddell Hall, Adrian Killens with Arlington, and Jordan McRae's in San Antonio. So good luck to those guys this weekend. All right. Hey, for the final time, we're, we're, we're mothballing this thing. I'm making an executive decision. Enough with the, the mailbag and the Brian W. Peterson and all that. Let's roll the open. Let's answer these questions and let's watch men's basketball. It's that time again. Let's open the Brian W. Peterson Sons of UCF mailbag. This has nothing to do with Brian. Just retire the segment. Adam, we're going to cook up something new, maybe. That's kind of a somber open. I don't, yeah, no, I was, I was in a good mood and all of a sudden I feel like we're mourning the mailbag. A lot of people are upset about this race. Yeah, I, so. I just, I just did a mood this week. I just decided to mothball it. Brian with the first question. No walk and talks, right? 
Uh, no, not that I know of. I'm sure I forgot one, but no. Uh, Brian with the first question. How many signatures on a petition are needed to bring the mailbag back? Maybe that'd be a good uh, podcast uh, segment, mailbag. Maybe we'll move it over there. What do you think? Seems like Great a lot of work. For, seems like a lot of work for Mike and I to figure all that out. If you follow the show, you know that's not our, our lane. But again, by the way, if you need to, your taxes done, Brian W. Peterson is your guy. What a great accountant that guy is. Go get Why your are we getting rid of this? Brian. This is my favorite part of every episode. Yeah. I don't I'm have to think. Tired of it. It. I'm tired of it. It takes up a lot of time. Yeah. Just, just know what else we're shaking do. things what, up. Yeah. What, what else are we going to do? I mean, <laughs> we're going to hear well, more about it, Mike's, you know, travel adventures. I'd like to hear more about the, the, the stuff we talk about before the show and after the show. Yeah. There was a whole discussion about this uh, mop vacuum thing that's going on over at Mike's house. It was interesting to me. Uh, at UCF, Mike, opening day, JRP, what do you think his impact's going to be on UCF baseball? You know, the outfield spots are kind of open. We don't really have that many guys returning out there. So I think he's going to have an opportunity to, to get some playing time, especially in late innings. You know, he's a defensive specialist. He's got the speed to track down some balls in the outfield. We're going to see him out there. Hopefully, baseball is a funny game, man. You get hot. You get a couple base hits to fall your way. All of a sudden, you get that confidence. Maybe he gets into a groove at some point. Big question, of course, that what we'll see he's going to play over the weekend against Siena. Maybe not the toughest of competition, but how does he hit? We know he's going to be pretty good defensively. We know he's got speed. We know where they're going to put him in when they can on the base pass, but uh, can he hit? Uh, Adam, UCF. Fleet 0406, uh, what do you expect from JRP in terms of spring practice and dividing up his time and learning the new offense and and maybe even making an appearance in the spring game? you got to imagine he's making more than an appearance in that spring game. Yeah, I don't know what to make of this. Both coaches have said that he's going to be involved in, in the spring football practice and the baseball season, but it sounds like they're going to play it week by week, almost day by day, what it looks like. Sounds like practice in the morning for football. Maybe you can go in the afternoon for for baseball. I think the bigger conflict though is there's a there's a conference home game the night of the spring game. So if Love Lady needs a pinch hitter in the eighth inning, and are we are we peeling JRP off the sidelines to run over there and take a take a pinch hit? I don't know. I think that's going to be interesting to figure out. Don't you think though that this would really be a good publicity stunt all the way around? Have him changing out of his uniform, have a crew following him around, have him running over to football, have him throw some passes, give way I mean, to Thomas he's... Castellanos, make his way back over to the baseball park. I mean, wouldn't that be just a uh, some good publicity? Yeah, if he's if he's good, if he goes seven of twenty two at the spring game, then no one's gonna no one's <laughs> gonna care. And then if he goes over and gets thrown out at second on a stolen base, I mean that that's all for not. So he better he better be good at least. Yeah, I don't know about playing around too much like that. That's how you get hurt. You get you start making jokes out of it. And he's the last guy we really need to get hurt. Um, I, 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 it's going to depend on how what the season's looking like at that point and how much is he contributing to baseball. That's already conference play. Is he an actual contributor out there? If not, then I say let him play the whole spring game. And if we need him on baseball, then he doesn't play the spring game. You just used a good word, Mike, injury. We know what his injury status was during the football season. Can he stay healthy uh, during both spring practice where you know he's not going to really get hit, but also baseball. He's had the hamstring issues through the football season. Can he stay healthy in his time uh, with baseball? Mike, at Black Gold Guido, you think UCF has the depth up front to compete in the Big 12 in 2023? Yes, compete. I fully expect to compete. I'm not as scared of the Big 12 as everybody else. The Big 12 has bad teams every year, too, guys. We're going to play a couple of them. So, yeah, yeah, it's going to be tougher than the American, but it's not the SEC. It's not the NFC East. It, it's the Big 12. We're, it's going to be fine. We're going to compete. We'll be okay. It's not the NFC East. Are you happy, by the way, the Eagles lost? Yes. Thrilled that the Eagles lost. There you go. 
Uh, Adam, at Deportes, man, if the Knights get that 2024 game with the Gators dropped, uh, what do you think about a replacement? And he's saying uh, Tennessee has two games uh, out of conference on the schedule, just two games. Tennessee might be an interesting matchup. It's 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 feeling like the Gators, maybe that one's shaky in 24. Yeah, if, if we lose the Gators, we're going to need a P5 opponent. Uh, I think I saw Washington now has a game open back up. But I think a lot of this will be subject to change if there are other moves around college football. Other teams will then potentially be looking for games to fill. So uh, Tennessee would be interesting, right? I think getting Hypo back and that offense, can we keep up with you know with that style? Can we you know kind of have the revenge factor? But I think you're going to see a lot more changes. So Washington's out there, Tennessee's out there, and who the heck knows who will be out there after all the dominoes fall in conference. Who are we going to add? I don't know, the Sisters of the Poor. We're, we're going to have to add somebody quickly, and there's not going to be that many teams to pick from. Uh, are they D1? What's that? Are, are they D1, Sisters of the Poor? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, back to you, Adam. At Spursy Night. Top three teams from the Pac-12 you'd want to join the, the Big 12. I mean, you got to imagine Oregon and Washington. you got to be two of those, right? If you could. I went off the board. I went, Give me two Arizonas and a Colorado. Colorado is my first. Over Oregon and Washington? Yeah, give me two Arizonas and a Colorado. Yeah. Colorado is my first pick. One for the destination, two for Dion. I'd love to play against Dion, even though I don't know how long he's going to be there. But that's interesting. And Boulder, Colorado is uh, supposed to be a fantastic town right by Denver. Uh, easy destination to get to. Fun skiing, maybe, depending if the game's late in the year. Uh, give me that. Give me uh, Washington. Seattle is, a, is an actual city. One of the Arizonas is nice. I'm sure you got some golfing out there. Uh, my nephew is a uh, sophomore at the University of Colorado at Boulder. It is beautiful, that part of, of the country. Uh, Mike, for you, at Mr. Matt Dole, which uh, Pac-12 cities you know, coming in are you most looking forward to going to? You mentioned that, but least <laughs> looking forward to going to if they add. Ooh, I mean, they haven't had talks of Washington State or any of those schools, right? What other schools in, that I would not want to go to? Utah, would you go to Utah? Uh, yeah, Utah's okay. You know, I'm not. I know everybody wants to add Oregon. They're the best, maybe football program. But Eugene, Oregon, I'm not really getting turned on. I probably wouldn't make that trip. I don't know what else is, <laughs> there is to do with Eugene besides going to the football game. So uh, I could take or leave them. Uh, Adam at Cap Beach One uh, Space Game Basketball. You get to choose. Uh, what's your theme? What fun activity do you plan for halftime? They had uh, a lightsaber battle as part of halftime with the Star Wars characters there. Floating balloons, and you shoot them down. <laughs> End of story. <laughs> I, I like that. Mine was uh, a knight lancing uh, the inflatable squeezer, because, you know, I'm not big on that uh, citrus. So violent, Trace. Jeez. Yeah. Uh, Mike, at Golden Knight underscore the second. This is a question we've had before. What sport would you most want to add to UCF athletics? Ping pong. Ping pong. Ping pong. Is that a varsity sport? <laughs> I mean, we uh, used to have a ping pong table in our apartment, if Adam remembers. And it was in Knight's Crossing. We put it where the dining room table was supposed to be. Yeah. There was no room. Like that, The table took up basically the whole thing from wall to wall. The guy that had the side of the couch actually had an advantage. The other guy was falling into the into the balcony there. Um, a good time. Ping pong is a good sport. But if you ask me seriously, everybody says track to help the football team. I guess you got to go track. Beach volleyball. At Lonely Bee UCF, Mike, uh, Orlando Sentinel reporting $20 million surplus for UCF Athletics. I think there's some questions about that number, though. Why don't we have a lazy river? Mike, why don't we have four lazy rivers for this $20 million? How much is each, is each lazy river is $5 million, you're I think saying? So. I think so. I, I mean, you could just make one big one that goes around the entire stadium. That'd be a, a fun one to go on. You know, I know that walkway is, just float around it. 
Yeah, exactly. It's a moat. Um, but it's like the lazy river at Atlantis. You've been to that one down there. That's a, it's not even that lazy. It's got a little, you know, it goes up and down and it kind of shoots you around pretty quick. I'd like one of those. Uh, Adam at emptiness for where's Andy. Is Andy you know in this protection program? I, I talked to Andy via text uh, last night. He is doing well. He's, you he, he took a little break from the bird app and he's focusing on his, his, his work and his family and he's doing well. So still some smart ass comments in there. So I think he's just on a sabbatical right now. Uh, but also, Mike, if you take the lazy out of it, is it just a river at that point? <laughs> yeah. Right. Uh, Eric Lopez, Elo, we'll end with Elo. Mike, if you can pick anyone you want in the world, who would you sit next to at a UCF sporting event? Anybody I want in the world, that's going to get me in trouble. I'm a married man. I'm not going to answer that the way I'd like, I guess. But uh, if it's a UCF figure. You know my relationship with our old ball coach, George O'Leary. Got his number. I, see, I don't know. I, I think that could be fun. Me and George have a couple scotches, watch the game together. At the same time, I think he'd be tired of me after the first three minutes. And I don't know how fun he'd be, unless he got drunk. <laughs> Adam, you? I feel like Blake Bortles would be a good time. I feel like he's pretty sarcastic. Your yeah, he may, you know, we can probably crush some beers together. And, you know, uh, you know, he seems like he's pretty uh, pretty good with the ladies, if that's what you're into. So I'm going to go Blake Bortles. Uh, outside of UCF, I have no, I mean, I have, I have no idea. Brandon Walsh, I don't know. Gotcha. All right, guys. We want to thank the folks at Viva La Cats uh, for joining us. Stephen Branca for being back talking UCF baseball. And Leo Rodriguez talking men's basketball. Men tipping off at Memphis momentarily. Uh, for Adam and Mike, I'm Trey Strolko. Thanks for watching the Sons of UCF. Go Knights! Charge on. Charge on. I'm John Rice Plumley. Thanks for watching the Sons of UCF. Cute. Sports Social Podcast Network. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.